0: Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to an emergency edition of the Canucks Conversation My name is Dave Grilly. I don't know why I paused midway through conversation there But my name is Dave Guggerle, joined as always by the man who built the place, Chris Faber We're fired up! It's a Sunday morning. We don't usually pod on Sunday mornings, Chris, do we? And now we have a coaching change to talk about. We knew it was coming, uh, as did, I'm sure, a lot of our listeners. Um, as always, we are brought to you by the great folks over at Montana's. Go check out their new comfort menu, Daily Deals, Monday, Half Price Wings, Tuesday, Kids Eat for $2, Wednesday, it's All You Can Eat, Ribs, and Thursday and every day is drink specials. Be sure to check out their seven BC locations, Fort St. John, Kelowna, Langley, Nanaimo, Prince George, Tawasin, and Victoria. Uh, go check out the great folks over at Montana's. Uh, my co-host, Chris Faber, I'll bring him in now. Um, Bruce Boudreaux gets let go this morning, and obviously that's what we're here to talk about. We haven't done an emergency episode in a long time, but we're here to do one today. I guess just your initial reaction to Sunday Mornings News coming down at about
3: 9.30. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much of a reaction to the actual news that came down at 9.30 this morning. It's This has been something that's been playing out for way too long. I think it's been disrespectful how Bruce Boudreaux has been treated here. It's been difficult to follow this story. It's been something that someone who has given so much to the sport of hockey doesn't deserve. And it's another thing in the line of this organization showing its ass in how they've treated fans, I think. I think that's the big thing. Listen, you can say what you want about how they've treated the staff members and everything, but... Fans loved Bruce Boudreau. They wanted to support Bruce Boudreaux. You saw that in the final couple games here. I also just think that this guy has given a lot to this organization. He also took them out of what was a very dark period, and it just feels like now that Bruce is gone, that dark period has come and it's come even harder than it was before Boudreaux even arrived here. So it, it, it was, it's difficult, man. Like you saw how emotional Bruce was. This might be his last time coaching in the NHL um you could feel the emotion of him in his last few media availabilities we got to talk to him for 12 minutes last night I think about uh and yeah I mean this this whole situation the way it's played out the way it's moving forward it's a very difficult thing for Canucks fans to see how this situation played out see the news today and be like yes I'm supportive of the team here in in Vancouver, here in British Columbia, here on the West Coast, wherever you're at. A lot of people I saw last night online, and I think we've seen this over the past couple months of people just being like, oh, I'm giving up on this organization, right? Blah, blah, blah. I think you saw that more than any day in Canucks history yesterday. You know, seeing people like Don Taylor tweet about this being one of the darkest periods that he's seen in his time. I mean, this guy has followed the team since they came in here. He's covered this team for a long time, more than anybody I think it's it's incredibly hard to watch how this played out and think that this was the right way to go about things at all. It's just, it's another line of this organization completely letting down fans. And it's unfortunate that a guy like Bruce Boudreaux had to go through what he has gone through over the past few months here.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's anybody that watched last night's proceedings and would say like, yeah, you know what, I feel good about this situation. Um... I just want to quickly get the facts in here, and obviously that's that Bruce Boudreaux has been fired. Rick Talkett has been brought in as head coach. Uh, Sergey Gonchar is going to be a development coach. Adam Foote replacing Trent Call on the bench as the defense coach. Are you at all surprised that Trent Call was the only assistant let go with Jason King staying uh, and Mike Yo, the guy running the penalty kill, uh, staying on the Vancouver Canucks bench?
3: Uh, not entirely. I mean, obviously, the, the whole penalty kill situation with Mike Yo is another, another situation in its own right. Obviously, the Canucks are by and far the worst penalty killing team in the league. Uh, Mike Yo has been running that penalty kill. It's something that Bruce Boudreaux talked about. There's obviously going to be a lot of changes when, uh, when talk it does arrive, and we're going to talk to him today, Sunday at 1 o'clock. So... I'm sure there'll be more discussions about that moving forward, but I think for Trent Cole this is pretty unfortunate. Say what you want about what Trent Cole did in Utica. I think he was put into an extremely difficult situation, whether it be the prospects that he was given to work with out there in Utica. Also, just the the overall connection between the Vancouver Canucks and the Utica Comets, I don't think was a great relationship at all. Um, obviously when they got to Abbotsford, you could maybe think that, uh, and, I, and I do think this, I think a lot of things changed and a lot more effort was put into the AHL team. I think Trent did a, a fine job last year with that team. He got a lot, uh, he got the best seasons out of a lot of guys down there in the AHL and, um, definitely helped with Danilo Kalimovich coming over and adjusting to North America. So to see Trent Cull get the promotion to the NHL, I think surprised a lot of people. Um, I think there's going to be more of a story there about Cull pretty soon. Um, And I think it's going to be an interesting story to tell. That's probably going to be another thing. That's not going to look great on the Vancouver Canucks. I'll say that because I don't have all the information yet, but um, I do think there's going to be a story to tell there about, you know, the way that this, this organization treats people. I think that's going to be another unfortunate thing uh, when the full Trent trend call story comes out, but this is, it's just, man, it, it's another situation where you're just kind of surprised, but not surprised with a lot of things. Do I think that Sergei Gonchar is a guy you'd like to have in your organization helping you develop players? Absolutely. I think Gonchar is going to be a guy that that I'm happy to see on the coaching staff, um, as well as I think Adam Foote can bring something. I mean, he was a, an NHL player that I adored growing up for sure, so I'm sure he's got something he could bring to this team. But um, to see that th- those were the coach. Coaching changes, it was difficult. Uh, yesterday in Bruce Boudreaux's media availability, Trent Cole stood in the corner uh, of the room as he watched Bruce Boudreaux's media availability. He was the only other coach standing out there, so it was kind of the writing was on the wall seeing that and seeing, you know, Cole get emotional in the corner as well, watching Bruce do that. It's just, man, like, I, you know, I, I, I just can't help but, like, feel bad. Like, that was that was a very difficult thing, and I, I tweeted it out last night. Like, i followed this team my whole life, and that was the worst moment of following this Canucks team, whether it be as a media member or as a fan before that of this organization, like actually seeing it play out was like, okay, this is the end. This is the the final stage of peeling this band-aid off as slowly as possible with Bruce Boudreaux. And it was really just It's just, man, it's like it's they can't do anything right. Like this this organization can't do anything. You can't there's there's such an easy way to to adjust your coaching staff. Teams do it around the NHL all the time, where they just bring in an interim head coach. That's how it's going to work. To think that, you know, Jim Rutherford has talked about being friends with Bruce Boudreau and, you know, having a good relationship together. How? Like, how can you say that now after the way things have played out here, after what Rutherford's come out and and talked about to the media on, you know, on radio, uh, in, in press conferences, everything? Like, you think that there'd be at least some sort of respect there.
0: One thing that I think didn't get, and it hasn't so far, I know it's fresh, hasn't got enough play last night. And we'll play it on the show tomorrow, main show tomorrow. We'll talk about, talk, its comments and everything, and everything he had to say in his intro press conference. But one thing Bruce Boudreaux said last night, on top of the, um, I don't know why I'm here. Maybe it's because there's Chicago, Seattle, and whoever next. I think Columbus, um, you know, insinuating that they wanted me to lose these games so that the new coaching staff could have the easier ones coming up. Um I I, also heard that there was a comment last night from Bruce Boudreaux that was along the lines of, um, you know, I thought I was going to be let go in November when those comments were made. Like, that's what he said. He said, I don't know why I'm here. And he, he, I, I don't want to misquote him, but he definitely insinuated that that was what he was talking about was, you know, when those original shots were fired by Rutherford, publicly in the media, and we were all kind of like, hey, wait a sec, that's that's strange when Rutherford went on 650, right? Um, Boudreaux basically said, like, yeah, I was surprised that I wasn't let like, go back then. Like, that was kind of what he was saying. And again, like, y- you don't know if it was like maybe they wanted Boudreaux to quit. Like, maybe that was something that the organization was just kind of hoping for because then they wouldn't have to pay him. But look, like, the way Boudreau handled this, and you talk to anybody around the league, the way Boudreau handled this, he obviously came out looking like the bigger person here, right? Than oh. the organization did. Like, no matter which way you cut it. But um I'm I'm hopeful for Bruce Boudreaux that this leads to future coaching opportunities. Because I think people see, you know, like he waited literally until last night to take his first shot back. At management and at the organization And honestly like nobody's saying Like oh I can't believe Bruce did that Like everybody was saying oh finally Like there were serious questions of whether Or not Bruce would not say anything Bad about management anything about the way he was Treated right up until the day he was gone Like a- and that's what happened Like he waited literally Until he was out the door like he Knew he was done after last night's game Everybody knew he was done after last night's Loss everybody knew it and He waited until then to take a shot back at ownership. And honestly, I think that makes him look, that makes him look really, really good in, in the eyes of the rest of the league. And again, like, look, you've seen all of the national media and all the people in other markets being like, geez, I know we make fun of the Canucks and this more so fans, but they're saying like, I know we make fun of the Canucks, but Holy cow, like what's going on there? Like, this is horrible. This is a horrible way to treat a coach. Like, there's there's nobody more pissed than Washington Capitals fans watching their beloved coach who hey he got fired and they still really like him over there and I don't think there's uh that much bad blood between um Boudreaux and Capitals management and all that sort of stuff. Like, they're upset about the way Boudreaux was treated, and national media is commenting on it, and everybody is kind of in agreement here, like, yeah, this probably could have been avoided. And again, like I don't want to spend more than just today, Chris, and that's the other thing, is like Look, I know everybody's piling on and I know everybody is um and rightfully so pointing out the organization and kind of how you know how they handled this situation so poorly. Like probably couldn't have handled it more poorly if they tried. Um and I, I get everybody's pointing that out, but like, you know, Talk It's coming in and this is why I want to do this emergency episode before Talk It's Presser because tomorrow we're going to break down Talk It's Presser and again, like I don't want like I want to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to come across as um, inconsiderate of Bruce Boudreaux's feelings or anything, but you know, I don't want everything to be from this point on being like, well, I can't believe they treated Boudreaux like this only to have talk do this. or only have talk do this talk do that. Like, you know, I want to give talk as much of a blank slate as possible and judge him based on what he's able to do um, with the guys on the ice. Cause Hey, like let's face it here, Chris, like, You in a vacuum, you don't hate the hiring of Sergei Gonchar or Adam Foote, right? Like, you may have some problems with Tocket, and I understand, like, a lot of people are pointing out, rightfully so, that he plays quite low event hockey. Like, those teams, and and again, (laughs) as I say, let's not pile on Tocket too fast, I'm just saying from history, like, those Coyotes teams that he coached, even the ones that made the playoffs in the bubble, right, and that counts apparently, um... Even those teams that were like, you know, pretty, pretty competitive, not fantastic, but when they were trying to compete, the Coyotes, like, they were near unwatchable, right? Like, we're going to watch, we're going to watch the Canucks completely change their strategy, I think. Like, we're going to see, and maybe not on Monday, right? Like, maybe not right away. You don't see the changes, but you're going to see some systems changes and talk. now has his chance to implement his systems, especially over that all-star break. Right. Um, he's going to have a good chance to kind of implement his systems. And remember, like we don't have to look far for a coaching change in Vancouver. It took a while for Bruce Boudreaux to say like, yeah, I'm comfortable with the way we're playing. And now they're playing my systems. And look, like, Talkin and Boudreaux play very different styles. And that again, that's why Talkett was brought in. It was to bring in this structure, right? We're gonna see them play very defensive hockey. Like we're gonna see them play very defensive-minded hockey. And again, like we've a lot of people are pointing out, we've seen this with Travis Green. Like, Travis Green tried to get the Canucks to play very defensive hockey and they lost a bunch of games by one goal. Like it was three, two games they were losing. It's not seven to six like the Boudreaux era, right? Like, people people are Worried about the style that talk is going to play with this team. But hey, like, you know, he's a motivator. He wants to, you know, he's going to get rid of all those clubhouse, those country club vibes that we've heard so much about already. Um, you know, he he's going to try and come in and get rid of that aspect of the team. So again, like everybody wants to see him succeed right like nobody nobody should be out there being like i can't believe they did this to bruce i hope talk gets fired or like the people tweeting hashtag fire it before he was even hired by the team officially um all that sort of stuff i just i don't know like i want to give talk as fair of a shake as possible um as he steps in as the head coach
1: ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down
3: Yeah, I think personally as the coach, yeah, you want to give him a fair shake. But also I look at it at a higher level too with it. the way this the situation was handled makes it difficult for me to give management and, and upper management, talk about the president and general manager here, a fair shake because now it's like the way they handled this situation to get to the point where they've got everything in place now for their staff, okay? They've got the former assistant coach that they had with the Pittsburgh Penguins and Rick Tocchet now here. They've got Patrick Alvin in the general manager position. Jim Rutherford now has all of the pieces in place that he wanted. He brought in the assistant GMs that he wanted for his group. He's got everybody in place now. He's also just told us within the past two weeks that this team, when asked by Drance if it should be a three-year thing, he's like, oh, no, it'll be quicker than that. So now you judge off of what this team is going to do in the next two years. And I find it extremely difficult to believe that with everything going on in this organization and massive things coming up in that two-year stretch, the biggest one obviously being Elias Petterson wanting to stay on with this team and sign a contract extension instead of riding a year of RFA and, and going to free agency. That's a massive thing that's going to happen in this two-year stretch that Jim Rutherford has told us that they can turn it around in and retool correctly in. So this this whole thought of, you know, they're dig- they've they dug themselves into a hole and they continue to keep digging. I think this this organization needs to take a serious look at the way the direction of this team is going. Also, the way that the organization is running itself. Also, I think there's a lot of things that need to be questioned. I find it very difficult to believe that this team is going to be a strong competitive team that, Listen, even if it's like they've said, like and you and I have argued about the retool-rebuild thing, I don't think this team can retool into being a contender. I think this team could retool into being a team that might be able to sneak into the playoffs. I think they can do that, but that's not what fans want. That's not what fans deserve after everything that's gone on in this organization over the past what feels like 10 years, right? Like what feels like 10 years. Everything that's gone on, you shouldn't just be retooling to sneak into the playoffs. You should be rebuilding because that's what this is going to require. And I think it starts with not just players. It's going to start with the culture. That is the hardest thing to rebuild in this organization. And what this has played out with, with Bruce Boudreau is just making that culture worse. And these players, they loved him. You heard about the tears being shed by the players talking to this coaching staff as they're on their way out. And Like that, To get back to my point, Jim Rutherford now has all of his pieces in play. He's got his coach, he's got his GM, he's got everybody in place here. This is now everything on the way out in the next two years is on him.
0: This is not meant to be disrespectful to Bruce Boudreaux. And again, I I want to choose my words very carefully. But this idea that, well, they need to rebuild the culture. Was the culture very good under Bruce Boudreaux? And again, I know it extends so much further than that, Chris. Like, I know it extends so much further than that. But look, if Rick Tockett can come in, keep OEL accountable, right? For example, just I'm just picking an example. And let's say JT Miller. Let's throw JT Miller in that as well. If Rick Tockett comes out and says in a press conference, like, yeah, you know what? It's actually unacceptable that Bruce, uh, Bruce, that JT Miller doesn't back check. Like, even last night in this game that they're trying to win, and again, I'm not trying to just start ragging on JT Miller, I don't want this to turn into that, but even last night, puck hops over his stick and he doesn't back check. Like, he doesn't even make an effort to make a hustle back for the puck. And again, Cody wrote a really good stanchies last night. Cody Sievertson over at Canucks Army, fantastic stanchies, and he talked about this play at length. Like, Look, if Miller did hustle back, there's a chance that the Oilers don't go over there and score. But that's not what happened. Miller stopped skating, and that was it. That was the end of the Bruce Boudreau era. And it's so fitting that that was the way that Bruce Boudreaux's tenure as Canucks head coach came to a close. Because, look, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize Boudreaux the day he's fired, okay? But I'm saying if there's one criticism of this team... Again, we hear about the country club vibes. We hear about all that sort of stuff, right? We've heard this in the past. Like... What was Boudreaux doing to make that go away? Like, I know he was dealt a tough hand, and I understand he was a lame duck coach, and I understand he wasn't treated particularly fairly, especially in his later weeks and later days. But, like, you if you talk about changing the culture, that happens with a coaching change. Like, you need a coach to help change the culture. And I understand you're talking about the culture with the organization as a whole, and I understand that starts at the top. You're not going to get any disagreement from from me uh, with that point, Chris. But when it comes to the on-ice product, you need somebody that's going to hold these guys accountable. Like other than Niels Hoaglander and like Brock Besser, right? Who was kept accountable under this coach? Like I'm again, I don't I I, I don't want this to come across as me ripping Boudreaux on the day he's fired. But if we're going to talk about changing the culture, we also need to mention that the culture was bad before Bruce came. It didn't get any better when Bruce got here And I think this management regime Is looking at this, right? Is looking at this higher as saying Okay, we have all our guys in place now Now we're going to rebuild the culture Like I think that's, that's kind of how I look at this Is them saying, as you said We've got all our guys in place now Now we rebuild the culture They can't change the roster They've made that much clear They're having too much trouble moving out money And nobody can make trades in the flat cap world With the NHL, right? But but then obviously there's gonna be the Horvat trade at the deadline, we think, but like you need someone to help help you shift that culture down at the sure. ice level, and they didn't have it in Boudreaux.
3: So here's 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 a legitimate question. I don't know if I know the answer actually hundred percent, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. When changing the culture, is it more important to change the culture of the players like JT Miller, like Oliver Ekman Larson, and what they give to your team? or is it more important to change the culture of the Elias Patterson's or the Quinn Hughes? And I think to the argument of Bruce's side, cause I, I really think it can go both. I think that you're talking about these back checking situations or how OELs defending these things are not good for the team, but it's also, there's a couple things where I, I wonder, is it more on the young stars taking control of that culture? Or is it more about the way that JT Miller is setting the culture? Cause I think it can go both ways. I really think it's a little bit of both. Like I think, your culture improves when Elias Petterson and Quinn Hughes start to become the leaders who are killing penalties and who are, you know, having A's and C's on their chest instead moving forward of this team and being guys that are listened to in the room. But I also think that yes. And this is why Rick Talkett can get the best of both. If he, does a good job with the young stars and Elias Pedersen. And let's say he keeps him killing penalties and, you know, he keeps him playing in the five on five matchups against the other team's top lines. The things that, that drive Pedersen. Cause that's what I think Boudreaux did a really good job of. He did a really good job of unlocking things with the Canuck superstars that they weren't doing before. I think he did an incredible job of that. And I think that can do a massive difference to the culture of the team. When Pedersen isn't, you know, having to go seven minutes with only one shift because the team had to kill off two penalties or something like that. Like you want him on the ice as much as possible. You want Quinn Hughes out there on the ice as much as possible. I think Boudreaux did an incredible job of that. If talk, it comes in here and starts to just play Tanner Pearson in penalty killing minutes uh, instead of, of Elias Patterson, or is giving JT Miller the matchups against Connor McDavid every night. Like these are things that I think can hurt the culture. And yes, he can, he can take away some of that. You know, they look now JT Miller back checks. That's great. That's going to make a massive difference on how much the Canucks get scored on. But here's another bigger question about the culture is if he's not giving Pedersen or Hughes or these guys, the thing that Boudreaux did so well, if they lose what the momentum they've gotten over the past, you know, whatever it is, 100 games with the Boudreaux stuff, if they lose what Boudreaux has done for these superstars, in my eyes, that's a worse thing for the culture than being able to fix JT Miller.
0: Yeah, I mean, like as you said, you can have it both ways. I think, right? Like, I you, think you, you can. can. You could, yeah, it. yeah. And again, also funny example that you used, Tanner Pearson as the example, but I know what you meant. Like, you did mean, you know, that um, type of player. It, yes, exactly. But like, you can have it both ways. Like, I I envision a world where Beau Horvath's traded at the deadline. Okay, this team has no captain. And the leadership group gets, you know, their top voice taken away from it. Like, if Rick Tockett just comes out and says, you know what, we're shifting up... Like, think of Rick Bonus in Winnipeg, right? Like, Rick Bonus in Winnipeg, his first order of business, basically, is to strip Blake Wheeler of the sea, right? That causes a lot of, you know, that ruffles a lot of feathers in Winnipeg, but... Look at how that team's playing now. Like, look at how they're playing. And again, I know it's 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 not a perfect example and a perfect comparison, but like if Rick Tockett comes in and is basically just like, you know what, we lost Bo, but this is Pedersen's team. Like, this is Elias Petterson's team, and he's going to be a main leader on this team. And he gives him an A permanently. And I'm not, you know, like, I I, I want to choose my words carefully, but yeah, like, let's say he says, yeah, you know what, OEL, I'm not really sure why he has an A here and we're going to take it away from him and give it to, um, you know, the leader that this team should be building around. Like, this team isn't building their leadership group around all of reckman Larson. I'm not trying to disrespect OEL by saying he's not a good voice in the room because we always hear about how how great of a leader he is. But to an extent, like, if you want your culture to be better, your leaders do need to be among your best players. Like, your your leaders can't be the guys that are getting healthy scratched every once in a while because they're, they're borderline unplayable. And that... To be quite honest, with Chris, if they didn't have the contract they had, they probably wouldn't even be on the team, right? Like, that that's where we're at, right? And again, like, I'm not trying to disrespect Oliver ekman Larson the person, because he's a fantastic person by all accounts. But if you're talking about culture, your leaders need to be the guys who are also impacting, impacting your on-ice product the most in a positive way. Because sure, OEL and Myers do affect the on-ice product a lot, but in a very positive way. Is what I'm saying. Like they need to be the guys that you know you can look down the bench and say, you know what, I want to play as hard as that guy, right? If if the defense looks at OEL and says, I want to play as hard as that guy, you get what the Canucks defense looks like right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I from what you were just saying there, like it's to me like talk, it obviously has a ton of pressure on him to. Okay, so the Canucks have the third easiest schedule remaining this season. They have the third easiest schedule remaining. There's going to be chances to get a lot of wins. There's going to be chances to see this new structure be put into place from this coach. There's also going to be, like you just said, a chance for the the culture to be really built in this time. And I think culture can be built even faster in a winning environment, which sounds bad because it's like I think a lot of people would like to see the Canucks get as close to the, you know, get the best chance of getting Connor Bedard or one of these top players as possible. Them having, like I said, the third easiest schedule remaining here. It, it was like what Boudreaux said to the, last night of like, I don't know why I was, you know, even here until this point, like these three teams that you see coming up here, was it, Columbus, Chicago, and, and another one of these bottom feeder teams, Anaheim maybe, but like these teams Seattle. coming. Seattle, thank you. But, uh, well, Seattle's a pretty good team. anyway yeah, Seattle's but, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have lumped them in. But, I mean, like the door is open for Tauket to have success. But I, I just don't know if I still. It, it goes back to the top of this organization, right? It goes back to the top of this organization because I felt that there was a ton of momentum at last season's run near the end of the season. There was a ton of momentum. And if they were able to continue that momentum into this season, I really think that they could have been a playoff team. We looked at the way they're playing, if they would have continued some of their momentum. They could have battled through some of the, you know, the blemishes on this roster. They, they could have been a playoff team. But I do think that the organization and just the way that things are run came back to bite them in the ass with how everything happens in the offseason and how they rolled into this year on, on a on just like a weird vibe going into the year with everything. Like, I don't know. It felt like karma caught up to this team. And because the Canucks have to have everything go their way to have success Things didn't go that way this season. So it's going to be like, to me, even if Tauket gets that Boudreau bump style thing that we saw last year and is able to build his culture, I don't know if it can carry over. Like, I don't know if it can carry over the way this organization's running things.
0: I'm not I'm not trying to dumb everything down, but I also think you're complicating it a bit too much. Like, Chris, the Boudreaux bump, Thatcher Demko was playing out of his mind last year. Right. Because like,
3: he's one of the best goalies
0: in the league. And this team, Chris, does not... Like First of all, they didn't have that this year, and I think I'm not trying to dumb down why this team didn't succeed, but their goal output didn't change that much. Their defensive structure definitely didn't change. The one they were playing in front of Thatcher Demko, it's not like they said, okay, guys, we're going to give up more chances, right? Like, the, the defense has always been this bad. Thatcher Demko was playing out of his mind last year. Like, I think this year really helps contextualize just how good Thatcher Demko was last year, because... You didn't get it this year. You didn't get mm-hmm. it this year, and there's no guarantee you're going to get it. You know, every year, obviously. But like you said, everything needs to go right for this team. That Boudreaux bump, I don't even think it was. And again, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to deflect blame from up top and all that sort of stuff that you're talking about. But like that Boudreaux bump was because of Thatcher Demko. Like that's literally the reason that the Canucks started to win games. They started playing a much more aggressive style under Bruce Boudreaux. They stopped playing defensive hockey. And again, we talk about what Tockett's going to want to play. We're thinking it's going to be defensive hockey, and we'll have to talk to him in a couple hours here, and then we'll talk about it on Monday, of course. But, like, they are going to be playing defensive hockey under Rick Tockett. So, is that going to help them um, limit more goals? Sure. Is it going to maybe dry up their offense? Probably. Like, like you're probably going to see this team score less goals, but hopefully let in less goals too. So, yeah, it's going to be less fun to watch. It's going to be less high-flying. But, you know, they want to play a more structured game. That's what this management regime wants. And they're going to get it. They're going to get it with Rick Talkett. And I think, look, like, you talk about shifting the culture. This coach is going to come in. This is the coach they want. He signed through the 24-25 season, according to Irfan Ghaffar. This is how this organization is going to view what they have is through the lens of how do they play for Rick Tocket? Because this is their coach, right? Like if, if this team fails under Rick Tocket, the answer isn't going to be, okay, well, we just need a coach who has even better structure than Rick Tocket. or at least I hope it's not. I wouldn't put anything past this organization, but I hope that that's not the conclusion that they come to. I think that they're going to apply Rick Tocket's system and say, okay, who can play within this? Is that a flawed strategy? Yeah, maybe. Like, you look at those teams that Tockett coached, it ain't great. Like, Tockett's career-winning percentage, not great. I understand people are upset about that, but I think this is how the organization is looking at this situation, is just, who can play under Rick Tockett? If they can't, we're going to move them out for players who work hard enough and are going to be able to do this. Again, they're shifting that culture, Chris. Like, again, they're shifting the on-ice culture, and I understand there's still stuff up top that's, you know... Probably never going to get changed, but again, I, I'm not. We're not going to get into that today.
3: Yeah, I like. I like I said earlier in the show. I look at this as they've, like I said earlier, Jim Rutherford has all of his pieces now in place, and he's also given us a plan of the next of the direction of this team. Like how we've talked about this on the show for a long time, the direction of this team and wondering what it was. You don't have to wonder anymore. Now you can judge. You can judge this organization on being competitive in two years. So during this time with Rick Talkett as the head coach, in the eyes of the president of this team, they should be a competitive team. They're going to move on from their captain. They're going to move on from one of the – potentially move on. Sorry, they might end up signing Kuzmenko. They might move on from one of the most loved players from the fan base. They've already moved on from the coach who was extremely loved by the fan base. There's going to be a lot of changes, and I think we knew coming into this season that there was potential for tough changes to happen. I just thought that those tough changes weren't going to come in such a dirty way, and that's what's unfortunate. I think that's the biggest part that I take away from the whole Boudreau situation is that, listen, was Boudreau going to be the longtime coach of this team? No. He wasn't having enough success this season, and that could be on a variety of different things, but it just... It was to me, and it comes back to this with a lot of things in life and a lot of things with this organization. It has not been to me like a lot of things around this organization that had given them problems is process. It's process, it's process, it's process. It's retool versus rebuild. That's the wrong process. It's letting Bruce Boudreaux, as Jeff Merrick said, have the long, slow walk to the electric chair. It's the process there that I have a problem with. It's... It's just process in the end and how they've handled, not, not, not necessarily handled, but how they've set up their own situations in this organization is the problem that I've seen. And until that gets fixed and until there is a actual viewpoint where the organization is on the same level with a correct view of process on how to get to the situation of being a competitive team, I can't see this organization having success. And it sucks. Yes. Yeah. It sucks because I want to see them have success. I want to see the Vancouver Canucks have success. And it's difficult from everything that we've seen in the recent memory here. And, you know, people that have been around and follow this team for 50 years, if you've done that, I'm sure you've seen this longer than I have. But they've done a lot of things right in their time as the organization. It just feels like the last 10 years have been horrendous. And it's going to be very difficult to change not only a culture, but the process of changing that culture, I think, is going to be extremely difficult.
0: Yeah, it's it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. But I got to be honest with you. Like again, would I have like see them keep Boudreaux? Um, probably. Like I would have to like, see them tank. But I understand the thought process. Like I understand the thought process behind bringing in Rick Tockett. Like you, I completely disagree with the way it was done. It was it was done in a way that made everybody feel bad about the situation and. No, no, there there were no winners from the way that the Canucks handled this situation. Like, whatever advantage the Canucks thought they had by doing things this way and not bringing in an interim coach. And again, like you're hopefully Jim Rutherford or Alvin. Hopefully Rutherford, so you get an actual answer, is going to be at the press conference with Rick Tockett today because I'm really interested to find out what the thought process was behind not bringing in an interim coach. And again, like I said, I hope it's Rutherford so you get an actual answer.
3: And you literally had and kept Mike Yo as the interim yes. head coach. I, I yeah, I look at the whole situation. There's a lot of words you could use about it, and to me, it's just horrendous. It, it, it's it's a horrendous process of getting to this point. Yes. That's what really sucks the most.
0: There's there was no need for the way it was handled. Like it, it, all it resulted in. Like like I said, as I was saying, like. Whatever advantage the Canucks thought they were getting by doing this, and genuinely, I'm curious to find out what they thought that was. It didn't happen. Like they they came out of this looking horrible. Um, and, and not there, there only no, here, there were no winners.
3: Yeah, and not only here in Vancouver, the way that obviously all of us who are in it every day. But look at what the national media has done in the last. Well, it feels like the whole season, right? Like the Canucks have never been on the national news, hockey world kind of front page or, or first topic on Hockey Night Canada more than they have this season. And it's for all the wrong reasons. So that's a like, you know, it's good. Vancouver is finally getting noticed by the hockey world and Toronto's taking notice of the Vancouver Canucks because it's an absolute bleep show with how this is running. And that's, that's the way that the national media has talked about this team. Look at the people around hockey, like hearing, you know, Kelly Rudy talk about it. That guy never says a bad thing about anyone. And I don't think he even said a bad thing yesterday when talking about this, but it was like, that was like the, the most like intense I, I've heard Kelly Rudy rip into a yeah. team. And he was, he was still nice about it. It felt like, but like <laughs> he was still getting to that point of like almost saying something very critical about a team. And I mean, to get Kelly Rudy to that point, man, it takes a lot. So even,
0: even, even Kevin Bieksa. Like, Kevin Bieksa sure. was saying bad things about the Canucks, and he didn't want to do that. But Kevin Bieksa was like, I have never seen anything like this in my life. And yeah, us too, Kevin. Us too.
3: Yeah. Well, like we said, we got the uh, the media availability here in about an hour and a half. Uh, live show's back on Monday, five days next week. Lots of stuff to get into. Uh, conversation's going to be continued next week, uh, obviously. Well, it's Sunday today. The conversation's going to continue tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I don't know we got a lot more to get into i just thought it was necessary to get an emergency show out here i just feel super unfortunate um feel horrible like about uh i don't know i just i just don't think bruce Boudreaux in any way even had like a 0.001% chance of deserving this treatment that's how i'll i'll close out this episode i don't think he deserved this in the slightest, did did he deserve to be let go at some point this season? Sure, but just not like this. This was this was handled incredibly incorrectly.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't think anybody's really going to disagree with that. To be uh, to be quite honest with you. All right, we'll close it out there uh, for my co-host Chris Faber. Uh, my name is Dave Bugelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation.
3: It's just another game. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's better than crying, right? Hi,
1: I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.